Oh, hey guys, digging deeper, part two. Um, I left my iPad at home, so I'm going like old school with a computer. I feel like it's the 1990s. <laughs> cool, 1990s. This is so strange, making the 1990s old. It's like 2023. How did that happen? Sorry, just I'm totally digressing right now. 2023. How did that happen? Not just 2023, March 2023. It's March. I had someone telling me that there's five weeks left in the school term. And I was like, there's no way that half of a school term has already happened. I still feel like it's maybe 2017 or something. I think that's about where I'm. Praise the Lord. Now, this is what I'm getting. This is, you think I'm, I'm digressing a little bit, but I'm actually a little bit on point as well because time passes regardless of whether you're cooperating with it, regardless of whether you're making the most of it, regardless of whether you're wasting it, time passes. We have no control over that. And, and what I'm finding is the older I get, the faster it seems to pass. So I'd hate to see how it feels for your old people. Because I'm, I'm 41, I'm not old. Some of the younger people I work with, I, I got called a boomer the other day. I'm not entirely sure what a boomer is, but I don't think it was a positive thing. Because I didn't know how to use a computer or a telephone, something or rather, I was a boomer. So, it's already started. Thank you, Lord. Now, what I want to talk about this morning is, is I want to talk about digging deeper. And we hit it last week, we hit it from an angle of, of letting God get really in, in, deep in us and be real with us and refine us. But what I want to talk about this morning is what Jesus calls getting deeper. So... We're, I'm going to start with a passage in Luke, and then we'll, we'll take it from there. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46 says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And I'll just quickly stop right there. When the Bible says two words like that, like, like back in the day, they didn't say, oh, Lord, Lord. What that would be if you're doing it today, that would be bold font, underlined, exclamation point. So what does it say? What he's really saying there is, why do you call me Lord? But, you know just written Lord, Lord, because it's translated exactly. And so why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you call me Lord? Why do you passionately claim that I'm Lord and not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man who building a house who dug down deep and laid a foundation on the rock. So what Jesus is saying there is that you want to go deep in him. Going deep in him is applying what he says. Going deep in him is doing what he says. That's what his understanding of going deep is. It's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When a flood came, I love how it doesn't say if the flood came. It says when it came because they come. Every, all, every one of us has experienced floods in life. Maybe not a wet flood, but a flood nevertheless. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and puts them into practice and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Jesus' definition of digging deep is applying the word. That's his definition of digging deep. 
Now, to really understand how, now, now I'm gonna, look, I'm just going to let Jesus say some stuff because if I say it, it's going to sound nasty. No, I'm going to let Jesus do it, yeah. Me, meek and mild Jesus. Never heard a fly. Jesus it says this in John chapter 15, verse 14. It says this, You are my friends if, if. That's a conditional word. If. You are my friends if you do what I command. You know how you got those friends and their friends if? Jesus is one of them friends. Or more to the point, you are one of them friends to Jesus. That He doesn't say, oh, I'm your friend if. He says, you are my friend if. You are my friend if. If you do what I command. And then he goes on here and it says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father I've made known to you. You are my friends if, if, who wants to be a friend of Jesus? You don't just get to be a friend of Jesus. You don't just get to like, I choose to be a friend of Jesus. I'm going to sit over here and do it my way. Just me and Jesus. Reading my Bible, kumbaya with the television on. No, no, no. Jesus says, you're my friend if. People who do the word are my people. If you're not doing what I say, you're not my friend. Don't, you're like, what about grace, Jesus? Come on. What about the cross? What about the blood? What about like, and this is where he says, no, no, no. He says, if. Jesus is saying digging deep is the only way you be my friend. That's how we're friends. That's how we're cool. That is the merit. So what he's saying here doesn't mean that you're not a believer in Christ. It doesn't even say that you're not someone who's going to heaven. It doesn't even say that, but it's talking about a quality of relationship. He's actually a distinction between a servant and a friend. He's actually talking about function. He's talking about the quality and level of the interactions that you guys have. He says, like, if you're just someone who does what I say when it suits you, you're a servant. He says, I call you a servant. But if you're someone that flows with me, that moves with me, that applies my word, then we're friends. We're on another level. We're deeper. Because you know you've got people that you get along with, acquaintances, colleagues, and you've got friends. They're different. They're different. You've got neighbors, maybe, and friends. Who's got neighbors that has never been inside your house? Who's got neighbors that you've done life with, you love, you care about, and you, you've watched their kids, all of that business? They're different. Jesus is saying there's a difference here. Now, The Bible is seen like one of the one of the the proofs of the Bible is the divinely inspired word of God is that there is no contradictions from 
the 66 books in the Bible. And it's, it's like written over hundreds of years across multiple languages, multiple continents, and there's no contradictions. Except you read it and sometimes it seems like there's a lot of contradictions. So like Jesus here is saying, I don't call you a servant, I call you a friend. But then here it goes on. And it says, uh, when Jesus is talking to his guys, his disciples, and Mark chapter 9, verse 35, it says this, Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be very last, and the servant of all. He's saying, guys, this is how you succeed in life. Be the servant of everyone. So that's the key. So what's cool there is he's actually not saying, don't be a servant. He's saying, I don't call you servant. You are a servant. You need to be a servant but I'll never call you that. That's not how I look at you. So we've got this approach where the way Jesus identifies people that have gone deep with him, that are deep with him, people that are established, are people that are doers of the word, people that apply the word we read in Scripture, people that apply what the Holy Spirit speaks to them. They're his people. That's how he defines somebody that's deep in him. Now, what I want us to see is that His Word works whether you use it in Jesus' name or not. Listen to this. It, it says that Jesus in uh, Psalm chapter 138, it says this, the second half of, of that verse, verse 2, says, You have magnified your Word above all your name. You have magnified your word above all your name. Now, what does that mean? What it means is my word works. It's established. There's, Jesus has put his word out there, and it works. He, he's, he's released his word, and even how mighty he is, how sovereign he is, I will not go against my word. So what, we've, what, what, what this brings... What, what this brings about is a system that's in place. There's a system in place, and it works whether you use it in Jesus' name or not. Whether you say, like, if I had something that's not going to make a massive bang, can I use this rubber thing? Look at this. If I drop this, make sure the camera can see it. It falls. If I say, in the name of Jesus, fall, it falls. If I don't say, in the name of Jesus, fall, it falls. Because gravity is part of the system God put in place when he created the foundation of the universe. He made these big spinning rocks and they spin at a certain speed and make stuff suck to the middle of it called gravity. It works whether you... It doesn't matter how you it works now jesus word has heaps of these principles in it and they work whether you use it in jesus name or not do you know one of the one one a business principle that even the most worldly companies use giving 10 percent fascinating anomaly who would have thought that giving the first 10% of your income is a way of unlocking financial provision in your business? It's, it's, I read business books. It's a big part. It's a part of, they call it the principle of reciprocity. Reciprocity? 
recipe for something or other. Normally it's Mel that can't say the words. I've been hanging out with her for too long. But but it's because it's it's a principle that Jesus put in play and it works. And he calls us to step into this principle. As we read the Bible, we're called to engage with so many of the principles and whether you do or don't, that is actually going to determine whether your life succeeds or not. Now, to properly really understand the, the challenge we're in, like we're an unashamedly Pentecostal church. We believe in the power of God. We believe that God heals. We believe that God interacts. We're even crazy enough to think that God speaks to us and that we can hear His voice and we can apply what He tells us. There's a, we're, there's a pretty interesting lot. And I would say crazy except the fact it works. I would say it's crazy except for the fact that I've laid hands on people and spoken to somebody who just had a stroke and was, on, was registered on the MRI. His face was paralyzed half of his body and I prayed for him and he was instantly not paralyzed on half of his body and then they did a following up MRI and it was, the stroke was gone. Except for stuff like that, we're crazy, except it works. So at that point, we're like at a, there's a, that juxtaposition of, well, there's st- like, there's what's practical and then there's these things that supersede what seems to be practical but all that's really happening is people are tapping into systems that are already there they're already there like uh, like birds were flying around before there was an airplane but then there were two brothers that unlocked the pr- the principle of thrust and lift and they were now able to tap into a system that was always there. Now, when we get on an aeroplane, the pilot will tell you a whole bunch of stuff, but he will never say, lift off in Jesus' name. He just applies a certain amount of thrust, and the aeroplane is designed with the, with the wing shape to, to a certain amount to create lift. And with drag, this aeroplane magically takes off into the sky. It works. It works. Now, what we have to understand as believers, that if we truly want to live a deep life with Jesus, so much of it is really boring and really practical. So much of it is just doing what the Bible says. Like, it's not spooky. Like, we love the spooky stuff. The, us Pentecostals, the goosebumps and the feelings and, you know, when God just would pray for you and you just get your fuzzy little heads. and so I've been prayed for and I've fallen on the ground and been stuck there. And I'm talking like a lunatic on the ground laughing. Like, I love that stuff. Don't get me wrong. I, I love the prophetic. I love it when God will speak to me and show me visions and all the nutty stuff. I like it. I like it. I love being a Pentecostal. But it comes with a major drawback because we know that God can so easily move. And we've seen it happen so often in our lives. But that's how, not how he wants to operate generally. He actually wants to operate through systems. He wants, like, who has had an amazing supernatural provision situation? I've had a heap of it. But you know what normally happens with these amazingly supernatural provision situations? Because I've not done stuff right, I get myself in this giant hole and I need Jesus to bail me out. That's the basic sort of premise of most of my problems. They're, you know, (laughs) looking in the mirror and there's the person causing all my drama. And, and, and God will come and rescue us, and he does that because he's this amazing father who, but do, do you know how the Bible says to increase wealth? To, to, 
it's like the best way of like not having financial well not having financial problems is don't get into financial problems it says don't borrow money <laughs> like it's like you find yourself with, with no debt it's amazing principle but it says this proverbs chapter 13 verse 11 says dishonest money dwindles away but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow that's boring man that's boring. I want supernatural Jesus to come and like kazam my bank account and it's all overflowing. And, but the scripture says that if I give the 10%, that the windows of heaven will be open and pour out so much blessing it can't contain it. And it does that, but it does it this way. Little by little, like it, it's like not one or the other. What, what, what we find God doing, he says, that, yeah, I'm a supernatural God. Yeah, I want to act supernaturally with you. But if you want to be deep with me, you got to be consistent. you got to be faithful. you got to be sensible. The people who are not consistent are not deep. Ooh, ow. You know, the funny thing is they're the ones that think they are deep. They're the ones that float around and Jesus told me so is the people. That's them. Except what Jesus told them does not line up with what Jesus told the rest of us in the Bible not line up with what Jesus actually said for them to do and what that's a word for that is called flaky it's called it's not and I promise you that is not from God I'm not saying God doesn't love those people I'm not saying I don't love those people they're some of the most fun people you'll come across but you don't want to depend on those people God doesn't depend on those people Jesus doesn't even call them a friend because they're not people that are consistent. They're not people that are reliable. They're not people that are doing what he said. That's, and it's pretty confronting when we look at it like that. But, and like I said, this is why I'm not saying this is Jesus. I just use his words straight away. Like, because I don't need that, you know. I'm still a nice guy. You still like me. I'm still your friend. It's just Jesus who's not your friend. But it matters. It matters, and, and, it, and it's so, and I'm not judging you guys, because I've, trust me, if anyone's been flaky, if anyone's been airy-fairy, if anyone's tried to work, have workarounds, I'm, like, you know, Paul says the greatest sinner of all of them is me, I'm, that, like, I'm not judging anybody, because I've been there, and it's been, like, a massive and hard journey for me to get broken down to the point where I'm, like, all right, God, I'm going to do it your way. Like and and I, I I'm I'm happy to say that I'm the best I've ever been at it at the moment. I hope, but I sincerely hope and pray that I'll keep getting better at this because this has not been a strength of mine over the years. Because I have seen God work so amazingly so often. Because I have seen God do supernatural things on such a regular basis. And what I've got to try and navigate is how do we walk and live there at the same time as being consistent and applying the word here, and how do they cross over? Because you know that Jesus wasn't going around not being obedient to the word. It says he was without sin, so when that means he's doing everything right. But he was still raising the dead. He was still multiplying food. He was still catching boats places. He had the ability to transpose himself across time and space but he was still walking places and, and and god invites us into this tension 
And he says, those are the people that are deep. That's what it is to dig deep. They're the people that are spiritually deep. A people who believe I can do it and they do it my way. And, and, I, and I just think this tension is the sweet spot that we're called to live in, in a deep life with Christ. A life that is... <sighs> you, how, you, we like to be considered, we like to consider ourselves like sensible people. Like, I mean, you might not, some of you, by the way you dress, clearly don't. But I'm so kidding. I'm absolutely kidding. Um, we, 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 try to, we all have a certain level of how we want to be perceived. Some of us like to get be perceived as a younger person. Some of us like to be perceived as a more responsible person. Some of us like to be perceived as a mature person, fun, all the different things. And we reflect those things by how we dress, by how we speak, by, by, by a bunch of our things, and that's totally okay. But we like to... We generally like to be considered people that are trustworthy, people that can be counted on, people that other people value. And what we don't want is to be considered by people as people whose word doesn't matter. The Bible calls uh, honour, he uses the word honour a lot, and it's weighty, it's talking about weight. And dishonor is to be treated lightly. We don't like to be people who are treated like lightly. You don't want to be a person who, when you've spoken to somebody, they say, well, doesn't mean a whole lot to me. I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. That's, that's, we don't want that interaction generally. Typically, I know I don't. And I know that when it's pushed back on me, well, I'll believe it when I see it. I take, it's quite offensive. And what's worse is when the person says it and they've got great reason for saying it and because of my track record maybe with them or in that particular circumstance or in that particular area ha has been just something that there is there is no substance to it i'm speaking mostly about melissa when she's asked me to do certain jobs and i'll say i'll do it and then she'll say well i'll believe it when i see it But you know what I mean, because I, I deal with people and they say certain things and my thought is I'll believe it when I see it because that's the track record. And none of us like to be tr treated lightly. We like to be people who, especially men, are people who are respected, people who are honoured. And, and, and none of us want to be come across as flaky. None of us want to be come across as people who what we say doesn't matter. And we don't want to be that with God. We don't want to be that with God. The, the, the amazing amount of places in the Bible where it talks about keeping our vows that we make to God. And back in the day that the Bible was written, people's words were held, held a lot of weight. And they hang on to the, the promises they made. They, there's a, a friend of ours who, um, uh, who, whose father was a very, very well-known and prominent man, and he talks, and, and when you read about his life, he talk, they, they talk about some of the billion-dollar deals he made with a handshake, and his word was gold. His word, if, if he made a deal, 
This guy made a deal with Mr. Toyota on a handshake, one of the biggest deals in, in Australian history, on a handshake. And it still stands to this day, both of them have passed on and it still stands to this day because of the weight of this man's words. Now what I feel like God is calling us into and the challenge he's making for us is that we would be people who can be trusted with a lot. God's got, he wants big things for us, but we have to move to a place where we are able to carry that weight. Now, I want you to read it. There's a passage here in Luke 16. It says this, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. You know, people say, well, you know, I, I've had people come up to me and they, they don't, I know they don't tithe because they tell me they don't tithe or they don't give or they give however much God tells them to, which you've told me. You don't need God to tell you each week how much to give. He tells you in the Bible. It's very clear. But they say, oh, when I win the lotto, I'm giving this amount to God. And I just say, no, you won't. Or maybe not say that because I'll let Jesus say the offensive things. Because he says here, no, you won't. He says here, Jesus said it. He says, no, you won't. He says, because if you've not been faithful with little, you won't be faithful with much. You won't be. Why is that? It's because you have not developed the strength. You've not developed the character necessary, the fortitude necessary. You haven't developed what it takes to do it. And I feel like God is calling us to be a church that goes deep, that digs deep. And it's saying here, he says, whoever can be tr trusted with, uh, with a little can be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with a very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? This invitation that Jesus is calling us into is to give us a lot. He wants to give us a lot. And this is the description he uses as uh, Matthew 25. It says this, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and trusted his wealth to them. He gave one five bags of gold to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags went at once and put the money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two bags gained two more, but the one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five bags of gold bought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained you five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. It says here, after a long time, the master came back. Some of the time, walking with God, it can be boring and it can take a while and we cannot see anything happening even though we're doing the right things. Nothing's happening. But it says here, after a long time, after a long time, it means these guys weren't evaluated straight away. It means they prayed not just one time. They came to church, not just one time. They did the right things, not just one time. It was a consistent process. 
Process, 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 grinding. Doing the right thing, no fanfare. Doing the right thing, no no accolades, no recognition. Process, behind the scenes, faithful, quiet, grinding. Then after a long time, after a long time, the master came home and there was recognition. There was promotion. There was celebration. After a long time. My question to you is, is can you do the long time? Can you do it? Can you be consistent? Can you keep doing what you know is the right thing, even when you might not be getting the recognition? The cool thing about this story is it goes on and it says that that guy was rewarded with more. And it says the guy that didn't do much, even what he had was taken from him. So what we're seeing is they're tapping into another principle called momentum. There's a principle called momentum. When things start to roll, they roll. doesn't matter if they're rolling positively or rolling negatively. Once the ball's rolling, it rolls. It's a, script, it's a principle. We see it here. And it says that God actually fuels that, 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 that he, he energizes that momentum. Because it was the master's a picture of God. And God said, give him more. God said, take from him. But it didn't happen straight away. It was an outcome of consistency. Jesus is saying, my friends are the consistent ones. The people who are my people, they're the consistent ones. They're the ones that are day in, day out. Not hot and cold. Not on and off. Not flaky. My ones... They're the consistent ones. And I think that as Pentecostals, we probably have the greatest challenge in this area because we do see God move in amazing ways suddenly. We see it. And what we need to be able to do, we need to, if we're going to be men and women who are faith people, we need to have just as much faith in the process as we do in the instantaneous We need to understand that God is calling us to walk the tension of the supernatural life as well as the natural life. Head in heaven, feet on the ground. You know some of the greatest uh, people in history, they're Christians, but their, their philosophy, their theology was one that is defined as deism. And really what it is, is they're saying there is a God. He set the world in motion. And he honors the principles. And some of the, like, some of the most successful people in the world are people that have, okay, God, they read the Bible, they can see the principles, they put it into play, and, and, and God has just done amazing things through their lives. Amazing things. On the other side of it, the other extreme is the wacky Pentecostals who, they don't go to, they've got the church of Jesus, the church of the universe, the organic growth they you know no structure no system no discipline do whatever they feel the holy spirit's telling them like the god will tell them you know everything like what underwear to wear what burger to order at macca's what well, everything and, and uh, these people exist but some of the biggest world changes have been people that have not even believed that god is an intervening God. 
we are invited to be able to walk with the consistency of understanding that God has put these systems in place, but we can cry out to the living God who will intervene into our situations, who will meet us, who will comfort us, who will talk to us, who will heal us, who will step into it. And that's what we're called into as a church. That's what Jesus says a deep people. That's what Jesus says are His people, His friends. And I just think God is inviting us as a church to be deep people, to be people that are truly deep. I'm going to just ask we all close our eyes now because I'm going to pray for us. And as much as God wants us to be have these amazing lives, the most important thing that he wants is to have you in his life. Pastor Chinyama read a scripture earlier or quoted a scripture earlier where that, that says that if we believe in Jesus, we enter into, into eternal life. And I wouldn't presume right now that I know the spiritual position of, of everybody here. So what we're going to do as a church is we're going to pray a prayer that positions us spiritually to be followers of Jesus. And I'm going to invite us all just to pray this prayer. And if you're praying it for the first time, or maybe you've prayed it a long time ago and you're not walking with God now, when you pray it, I want you to mean it with all of your heart, and I want you to believe that God hears your prayer. Let's repeat after me, church. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you died on a cross for my sin. I thank you that you love me and you want to call me your friend. From today on, I choose to follow you. For the rest of my life, in Jesus' name, amen. So with every head bowed and every eye still closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or you're reconnecting with God, I just would invite you just to put your hand in the air just so I can see it because I'd love to pray with you afterwards. And we've got a, a, a small pack we'd like to give you to help you get started in your journey. Just one moment longer. I see that hand there. Amazing, amazing. God is so good. One moment longer. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray as well for us. I'm going to pray a really similar prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer that commits us to being a friend of Jesus. A prayer of committal, where we become men and women who do what Jesus says. And at the end of this prayer again, I'm going to ask us to lift our hand if you want to include yourself in it. Because if you're anything like me, this is something I need to realign with regularly. Lord Jesus... I pray that you help me to be your friend. Lord, I pray that you give me the strength 
to be a doer of your word. I want to be your friend, Lord. I don't want to be someone who who just honors you with my lips, but my life doesn't follow through. I don't want to be a person who just comes to church on a Sunday, but the other days I'm so backwards and forwards. God, I choose to be your friend. We're gonna we're gonna just gonna worship for a tiny bit longer, and I just think that God wants us to just to engage with that prayer. So I'm not. I'm, I said he was gonna ask for hands, but I'm not. I want you to talk to God as we worship. I want you to get real with God, and I want you to work out: Are you someone that Jesus would call a friend? And if you're not, just get right. Make those decisions. Have that conversation with Him. So we're just going to worship. Just going to invite the worship team just to lead us. Just going to let God just speak to our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. So let's just stand up, church. Let's open ourselves up to God. Let us see what He will say to you. I will. 